May 10th, 2018. Welcome to Postmark the Mate. I'm Scott Southern. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend, the backlash had a little backlash. Mm, we had a little backlash for that backlash. The longest show in the... I don't care what anybody says about WrestleMania. That one felt way longer. It felt... And I think a lot of the issue was that two-thirds of the way, two-thirds of the way through that show... We looked down at our watches and realized there was still another. There were still like four matches left, even though it's already nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they did that long segment with the New Day and with Elias, and I was like, "There is this is going to be a really long show because this is a crazy amount of time to give this segment." And I think so i I'm, i was nervous i'm I'm still very skeptical of these merged branded pay-per-views i think it's uh, we'll see but overall i think it's probably a cool idea one of the things that was a real treat about having a pay-per-view every two or three weeks was the fact that they didn't have to go any length of time a lot of them were two and a half hours long and that it was, was fucking that perfect was really nice a good solid like two and a half hour things it's like the stakes it it, it was an agreed upon endeavor i think right you got a smackdown pay-per-view two weeks after a raw pay-per-view they know everybody they knows. get it we we all know and this one i i just wish that they would have considered my schedule a little bit more which the moment the moment it was nine o'clock i was like i'm thinking about leaving and i'm gonna continue to think about leaving and then i stayed and they didn't really they didn't really respect my decision. It was pretty uh, uncool of them. You would have been unhappy either way. If you would have left, you would have been unhappy with yourself for leaving. Yeah, I think that... Yeah, there's there's no way around it. So, yeah, they respect respect my circumstances a little bit more. I got to work the next morning. I'm, I'm Early. upset. Yeah. Early in the morning. I am upset that I have to... That I am out after 9 o'clock. We're going to... We're going to start having these pay-per-views over here because I like saying goodbye and going to bed. It's nice. <sighs> but anyway, so what we got, I mean, I feel like I feel like an encapsulation of the night came with the main event where Smojo coming in hot, coming in just saying how he's going to he's going to destroy Roman Reigns cuz Roman Reigns can't get the job done and he comes out and he slams him through a table before the match even starts he puts him in that sleeper hold and then roman's eyes go to the back of his head you know which is what happens when you die and then roman gets up and spears him and wins yep i mean like and 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 look we've talked we've talked about about my my opinions on Roman Reigns and how I think that that there's still there's still hope that they can do something with them. They just have to, you know, just listen to the crowd a little bit, not be so tone deaf, not continue to do the same thing where he just beats <laughs> the guy, the hot guy at the moment and and overcomes because that's all he does is overcome and. Then we get just Samoa Joe, and it's like, all right, cool. Well, Roman, he's he's on the he's on the outs right now. He's been losing, and this is perfect. This is a perfect chance for a returning Samoa Joe to just come in and do something awesome, and he doesn't. He doesn't at all. It just it 
it was it was just this very straightforward return to back to square one and i think this more than anything else is maybe i've said this a million times this is a conversation we're just going to continue having forever all wrestling is going to be talking about the roman reigns problem for the entire existence of Roman Reigns from in perpetuity. There's n- this is not going to end. We've been having this conversation for three years already. Right. It, I, and it's not progressed in any way. I don't know. I think that that's like just the most just strange. This is the strangest thing about all of it is the fact that they just keep doing the same exact thing. The thing about... Is it the Einstein quote where the definition of insanity is doing the same thing sure. over and over again and think you're going to get different results. But I don't. But so, right. That's the def, that's the, the whole thing. We all know that quote. I think we are all looking at it as if WWE is expecting different results and getting the same ones. I think we need to look a little bit more inward here. Uh-huh. We're still watching Roman Reigns on WWE each on WWE TV each week, and we're expecting something to fucking change. Right? Yeah, and I think that that's like maybe the maybe the the hard slap in the face that I felt uh, watching the other night was just like, why would I expect Samoa Joe, who is not on the same show as Roman Reigns, who does nothing but gain from beating Roman and going over to his show, which is not the same show as Roman's, and saying for the entire summer, look, I beat Roman Reigns just like I beat everybody else. And Roman Reigns, who is dealing with the adversity of losing at WrestleMania and then getting screwed in the steel cage match at the Greatest Royal Rumble, now he's losing to Samoa Joe. What's going on with Roman Reigns right now? This could become that. This could have become a very dynamic and interesting situation. You remember when John Cena, when they were building John Cena to fight The Rock? For the second time and he lost for a full year that guy lost for a year and now we all love him the whole crowd loves john cena all love him so much and it's like it's like i i just don't it's hard i think because it's you look at it and you see you see something that's not working you see an audience that has reached just next level non-enjoyment and there's plenty to unpack with the fact that yeah we're watching people are people sold out the brendan Byrne continental airlines prudential center meadowlands new jersey east rutherford um <laughs> like yeah we keep coming back and the fact that the story is so bad it doesn't change the fact that they're still they're still selling it to us but it's just like you guys are making this really really difficult for literally everybody involved and it seems to be i think when we're watching we see all these signs of hopes even like you know people that hate that love hating wrestling are just going to hate wrestling but i think a lot of us that consider ourselves more optimists are watching we see these glimmers of hope in the way that 
Roman Reigns is being booked and the stories that are being built around him and the way that the momentum that he's carrying in different directions. And we see these little tiny bits of progress and then a match like this happens and it just is the reset button hit. And we're like, oh, we're back in the same spot we were after Royal Rumble 2015. Joe is talking about Roman in a way that nobody's talked about Roman before. Totally. And he's making, he's, he is making himself out to be such a direct threat. Braun Strowman is, I mean, look at that guy. He's destroying everybody. And Roman beats him at the Elimination Chamber just... After after Braun pins everyone, 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 and I think that I think that what is taxing on me lately, and something that I was thinking about, and I think that the the end of backlash really proves a point is the fact that you know preceding Roman versus Joe, you have Braun Strowman and. Bobby Lashley, Braun is is teaming with this guy for no real reason at all, and he's fighting Kevin Owens, who has lost, you know, 12 of the 13 matches that he's had this year and is complaining about the same thing that he was complaining about last year, and all of these guys lose to Roman. They all have good programs with Roman where Roman goes over and then they're just left to middle. And I felt like I'm I'm watching Joe and I'm just like, there's your fate. You're you're just going to be in the same spot that that these two guys are in, you know, in this in this nonsensical match that happens for no reason. And we're watching guys. We've seen it. We saw it happen to Kevin and Sammy, right? We're seeing it happen to Braun right now. Now it's the beginning of it. it this is probably what's happening with Joe. It just there's they're just knocked down a tier. There's there's no one is on the same plane with Roman Reigns except for maybe Brock. But that like, what the fuck ever at right. this point with that. There's just no competition, and it turns this into something that's completely uninteresting to watch i think that you know the way i've been thinking about it is you have you have brock in in the one spot and if you think about it in terms of a tree it's it's brock in one roman is alone in the one underneath him and then you have you know a bunch of guys you know like joe braun kevin that are just there but they've got nothing in any other time they would be in the main event Card, they could be circling around. They could be swapping the title back and forth. All of these guys in this, like, you know, B tier that they're all now in the intercontinental title picture, I guess. Maybe. But who even knows there? In any other world, all of these guys are potential title holders. And I just, I guess I can't, un- I can't wrap my head around why you can't have it both ways you can't have roman like continuing to look strong but you know maybe with a little bit more dynamic if he just like loses to a guy if he allows a guy to come up as a potential threat but everybody has to exist underneath roman and they've got no real thing that they're all chasing after roman's the only one that gets to chase after the universal title and everybody is knocked down down at a level below roman i think joe is gonna be fine he's on the other show he can go run roughshod on smackdown 
but you know what was gained from him coming in and saying he's going to do a thing and then not do the thing this is this is what Bray Wyatt did for three years before he just became like almost difficult to stomach that's absolutely true and and like you said Joe is gonna be fine because he's on that other show but that's the only reason he's gonna be fine here yeah if he was on Raw he'd be lumped in that same category he's on Smackdown so he gained nothing this is just a blip of one of those things we're gonna look back on and be like remember that match that was right fine yeah it's a fine match I just and I felt like I don't know they could have been so memorable right I don't know I if it's all like my here's here's my like tiny sliver of of what if and it's it's the thought that maybe maybe this whole thing of roman like getting screwed by management maybe it's all a work maybe roman is by design beating all of these people in ways that we're all just like no that that makes no sense that makes no logical sense so that when he wins the bell and then he's just like you know it's it, it it turns out that really he's been Vince McMahon's like boy the whole time. And then he's like, yeah, Braun, you should have won this thing. Yeah, Joe, we all know that you should have won that match. What if they got like that meta? I mean, but I, I would... still think I still think like, yeah, you've ruined it. You've ruined it with your with your audience who's just like yelling things at your main event. That's the thing. I don't know how I. I feel like this is something people have been saying forever, but I don't know how they can possibly recover at this point. I don't know what you can possibly do with Roman Reigns to get him to a level that it seems like they want him to be at, where he's either uni- universally beloved or hated by the crowd in like the same way The Rock or Stone Cold or whoever was. Yeah, He's never going to be John Cena. He's never going to be on that level. I mean, he's being booked on that level, but he's never going to be adored or thought of on that level at all. Well, I just... Like, why can't why can't there be why does it have to be a one guy thing sure is it just that it's like it's it's been that way since hulk hogan so it it just has to operate in that way like look at the freaking cast that you have right now like why can't i mean everybody does have their favorites you look at a guy like like seth or a guy like finn where they're they're doing you know, great things and kids love them and, and they can latch onto them. But why, why does it always have to be like one person at the very top? Especially when it's a time like this, where we have five hours a week that we have to watch. But when there's a pay-per-view, we, we have eight or watch. nine, we fucking have to do it. It's you have to do it. You don't have to do it. You have to do it. Uh-huh. It's it, it, th- there's no way that a one person being on th- that doesn't fill enough TV time. Yeah, there's not enough there. The, the ensemble cast is necessary at this point. It wasn't necessary when you watched it once a month or when they came to your town and you saw them. That's fine if Stone Cold or Jerry Lawler or, or uh, Hulk Hogan, whoever. But now at this point, you're watching a shit ton of wrestling and you can't just have this one person be the only person that has any merit. Yeah. Yeah, things are changing. And I'm just, I'm tired. This is, this is the, remember when we were talking last week about like, hey, maybe we're going to like skip that lull period. I think that this was just like a big old like bucket of cold water. I'm like, no, Mm -mm. you are exhausted and they are only going to make things worse for you right now. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like the greatest Royal Rumble was like a a shot of adrenaline, this like phony energy that, that 
we had this like it kept the momentum going from uh wrestlemania onward where normally right after wrestlemania we'd just like take naps through payback or backlash or whatever but the greatest royal rumble seemed like a wacky carnival act and it and it got us through it was fun those few weeks leading up to it were continuously fun and now it's just i'm collapsing much harder than than i normally would yeah i yeah like you got i there's a lot of good things that are happening and there were a lot of good things that happened at backlash i think that seth and the miz just did tremendous work together and they both gained so much and miz i mean miz is now approaching this level where you know we've all come around to the guy but he's putting in ring work now that is like starting to really really turn things into a whole new stratosphere for him we came around when he started cutting amazing promos week after week right yeah when we decided oh he's not just this real world guy he can like work decently in the ring and he's also just shit talking like no one else can shit talk but yeah you're right like now him that match was good that was a well wrestled match yeah i think that I think that there's a, you know, the greater narrative with The Miz is that at some point he's going to wrestle Daniel Bryan. And I think that he's really setting seeds for being able to make the claim somewhere down the line. Like, I'm a better wrestler than you. What Have you seen what I've been doing for the last two years? I'm a better wrestler than you at this point. Especially when he's stealing his moves. Oh and I mean, that's this God. is brilliant. Seeds are being planted. And I don't know if this is WWE's doing or if this is the Miz is doing or are, if they're thinking about this at all. I feel like everybody's just on the same page with it. And I feel like the Miz is able to just be captivating in a way where I believe him when he talks. And that's the ultimate thing that you have to sell me on is that when you say this thing, you believe it and everything that he does in the ring, everything that he says on the microphone, I'm just like, yeah, that's coming from inside of you. Well, that's what makes a, a good villain in, in movies and action films. Good villains are ones that you believe that they believe what they're saying. That maybe they're misguided or they have, uh, you know, questionable morals. But if they're believing what they're saying and what they're, what they're putting their energy behind, that makes the villain great. I mean, it's it's a quote that I'm stealing from you. It's that the, the, the villain's monologue up until the last sentence is like where it's at. Then they have to drop that one thing that's like, no, no, you're doing this for the wrong reasons though. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like somebody, they always drop the line. Like that's why we have to kill. Let's right. Like that's why we have to kill all of these people on this airplane. Right. We're doing this for mother Russia. And it's like, no, no, that's not it. You just said all this good shit. It all made so much sense. You're right. Everyone is corrupt and it would be better if we did it for the people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I thought that I thought that Daniel Bryan and Big Cass were perfect. I thought that that was so good. Daniel Bryan, you know, he makes him tap out, and then Cass does something cowardly, cowardly to the extent that Corey Graves is now mad at him, which I'm I used to have a problem with. I used to be like, no, he needs to be a heel. But I do love the fact that Corey Graves, like, he's never liked Big Cass, and he doesn't now. I think that's one of the coolest things about JBL used to tread that line when he was an announcer where it was like, I don't understand if you're a good guy or a bad guy. Corey Graves has very serious continuity that he 
internalizes and and projects in really smart ways he's always gonna hate big cats he's always gonna hate elias even though ostensibly he should love elias right, I think yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. coolest uh-huh. most talented singer in the world but he hates him because he hated him from the start and that's fucking tight man so that's such sick. a cool way to approach things that's like a it's bringing this sense of uh quote-unquote realism to to the announcer's booth in a way that like really propels people's characters right and i always you know i always liked bobby heenan he's just gonna he's gonna side with the heels no matter what actually i always thought that jerry lawler you know fuck that guy but he did such a good job in the mid 90s that period that nobody really likes to talk that much about but when jerry lawler would side with whoever was wrestling bret hart and he would do this thing that i just always thought was so brilliant where Bret Hart would put his foot on the ropes to save himself from a pin and Jerry Lawler would just go on about how it's a coward's way out and if if he was in that position he would just admit defeat and then the bad guy does it brilliant oh he's he's the smartest guy in the ring ring awareness it's so good and yeah dude i i think that that's a really good like evolution from the old school heel commentator where you just have all right well here's here's a guy who mostly doesn't like the baby faces but he's also got opinions that you know just tread go in and out of of good guy and bad guy continuity i I think it's totally fine for him to be able to do that and then i think it gives i don't know we were talking before about the greatest royal rumble I think it gives this opportunity for people like for like Michael Cole to just love Elias. I know. And to just get goofy for a moment when he's he has to play this straight babyface lover for the majority of the show and then it allows him to kind of spread his wings a little bit and be you know a multi-dimensional character as well. I think that that's like, you know, you you think about this in terms of like all right, we have so much so much story to tell and so much to just like make sure that people are staying with us. There's so much happening all the time. And to have a dynamic, you know, along the lines of like just the commentators arguing with one another about their opinions on somebody in the ring and like that back and forth, like that whole aspect of banter is engaging. And it's it's a nice like breather from just the don't forget about the main storyline that we're trying to tell right now. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it is really nice to see him just break from... I think more and more we're slowly starting to see the trend happen of of less events in the air and, and the announcers kind of doing their own things and announcing it like it's a sport or announcing it like they're real human beings. Uh, obviously, that's never going to happen to a full extent. And I don't... It, we wouldn't like it if it did. Right. But just seeing him do it without having to announce the the next advertisement or the next pay per view or the don't forget about the thing that you saw twenty minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I, I'm feeling that too. It's the, he's just lingering on like one particular part of the show that I think like even the most optimistic of us are are really having a hard time like sticking with him here. Um, I have got to say that um back and forth nut shots is is a bad plot device i'm not i'm not too into the fact that we waited all of this time for these two to face each other 
and we just keep getting this. I, man, I had real intentions of not being a downer on this episode of postmarkdom i'm sorry I'm it's your no because now that opens the whole can of worms that like this feud between these two is not what it should be uh it has it doesn't have the weight that it should have yeah put that thing on second to last which is fucking bullshit uh that's the wwf championship man yeah that is the most important belt in all of wrestling and Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe fought a non-title match as the main event of that well, pay-per-view. Well, you know, Roman has been dealing with a lot of adversity. Oh, my God. A whole two months worth. Yeah, I I get it. And I, f- I feel like, you know, there there's certain aspects of, of people, you know, kind of always like, you know, oh, the, the champion should come out last. And like, fucking, no, deal with it. That's like never been a thing in totally, WWE. Totally. But yeah, dude. In this case, there's no excuse. I, I, yeah. Because it illustrates the fact that they are, they, they had no intention of this being anything other than some sort of like non-finish. We're just continuing it on to SummerSlam and like what the fuck why why can't they just have like two matches yeah why can't that just be the thing i'm all right with the blow off not being at wrestlemania but now they've got to fight at every show and it's losing so much value that's what it is the air is just fall like coming out of this balloon and if if it was if if it has to happen if they're trying to stretch it like this don't they don't need to fight it's fine don't fight at this pay-per-view yeah who cares keep building it up keep you know keep them away from each other whatever you got to do to keep the story going but it's just watering it down more and more as we see more and more nut shots happening here the it's so lame these two are <laughs> fucking killers these two should be like causing brain damage to each other and instead they're playing with each other's nuts it doesn't yeah. make sense man it doesn't make any sense <laughs> each other's nuts yeah it's like it it's all it's always got to be like you know you have the you have the one first match and then something to continue it onward and there's got to be a rubber match and i it just it always falls in the same way there's so many people like why can't you not have it go that way just give them some time off one of the things that we talked about when this not when this match was going on but while we were watching the pay-per-view is why is and this is maybe the kayfabe question of the week why is the atomic drop not an illegal move you're dropping someone on their nuts why is that okay you can't kick them in the nuts well unless it's a no dq match right and i mean the atomic drop i think it could be argued that it's you're either i mean i think the kayfabe reason is that you're hitting them in the tailbone right not in the testicles but the inverted the inverted atomic, atomic drop, drop straight onto the nut that's just a nut shot and everybody sells it like a nut shot too you can't sell that in any other way why is it allowed i, I don't understand like i mean if 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 you can't low blow somebody and you can't like shove your bicep into somebody's nuts then why can you shove your your kneecap into their I, nuts and the i think the only acceptable answer that I could come up with here is that it's like the, uh, and, and it's like in that episode of The Simpsons where Bart starts punching 
in one direction and Lisa starts kicking. Yeah. Or maybe it's vice versa. Right. But they're both like, I'm just going to be doing this. And if you get in the way, that's your that's fault. Your fa- oh, okay. Well, I'm just going to keep doing this. And then there you go. Freaking main event of the Tokyo Dome. It wasn't the main event, but it was a fucking best match of three years ago. And now they're just kicking each other in the nuts. And, you know, Shinsuke's doing great. He's doing he's doing really good. Uh, I like that he, he doesn't speak English anymore. I think that that's fucking dope. And and AJ is just like a steady ship. He's great at what he's doing. He's he doesn't need to do anything super dynamic or or anything. He doesn't need to throw any other magic. He's the best wrestler in the company, and that's it. That's all he needs to be doing. Yeah, I yeah, I didn't want to be negative either, but I'm fucking tired. This is when we. This is the off season. This the this is what we need. We need to fucking take a break you know what i did this i watched i watched a lot of tv that wasn't wwe tv i've been watching a lot of jersey shore you know what they do you know they do so great on that show if somebody's not doing something they're barely on the show and you don't notice because they've got something good happening with paulie and angelina ronnie and sam they're being boring go let them be boring for a little bit and then they come back and they're great I'm so happy that they're fighting. I'm so happy that they're breaking up. If they, but if, yeah, I think I'm watching like that ensemble show, and I'm just thinking like, you know, it's possible. It's possible to have a lot of good people at once. It's true, and that's what Jersey Shore does so well is that they present you with these dynamic storylines that co- that flow in and out and ebb and flow, and you, every three or four episodes, you have a new favorite character, uh, and you have like new things you're finding out about each one of them each one of these people in this house and you know episode three of a season you hate snooki and then episode eight you love snooki you're back on you're back on and you're like following all these people throughout their interrelational struggles and the wild shit that they do i don't understand how it i feel like that show was presented to people in a way on the outside as a show about mike the situation Uh and if mike was the only main character of that show, that show would fucking suck. And I think Absolutely. that's what wrestling is doing right now, and it doesn't make any damn sense. I Mike is the leader of the house, so and he's got the abs. So it, it makes sense that you, that you present it that way, but then everybody comes in and you're just like, oh man, you know who's like actually... like. It took me a long time to figure out, but Ronnie, this guy Ronnie's terrible. He's the worst, and uh, in real life too. Mm. But yeah, I I think that that's like it's it's a very very true point. You put somebody out there who's like, okay, wow, like here's here's the the guy that you put on the poster, but you do a really good job of presenting everybody else and give everybody else like dynamics and understand that a well balanced program is a good thing for everybody yeah it allows you to pick your favorites and it gives all of those favorites some time to shine makes everybody happy and i feel like we're in an era too speaking about Corey graves and michael cole and kind of the way that they talk about the crowds and you know you have dual chanting let's go this person, let's go this person in literally every match now. You had a you had a let's go Brian Rusev day. That was sick. Back and forth. That's insane to me. Everybody's picking their favorites. They're encouraging everybody to pick their favorites. Why 
not let that be the way you write the story. Like, give everybody who's out there to see, you know, a, their people something to latch on to. And, you know, with with Roman, it's it's just like square peg, straight up. Yeah, I think it's... I think it, they're giving you this ensemble and enough people to like. They're they're kind of presenting all these wrestlers to you and saying, like, pick your favorite one. There's a lot of different people here. And you get to pick them, and then all of a sudden they just get stomped on. And yeah. that's it. And that's that. And, you, and you, they're not giving you any redemption for any of these people that they've convinced you and suggested that you fall in love with. And I think that's, like, the hardest thing right now about the way the tiered system of booking is going. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, when I remember when we were talking about the Intercontinental title going on Seth and thinking, like, is this a good thing for him or not? It's really looking like it's a great thing for him right now because he is he's actually like working that belt into a spot where it's like this is his and he's got he's got people that are after it and he's spotlighting every week and every pay-per-view he's gonna have a dope match and apparently like he's gonna have a dope match on raw now even with a guy like mojo raleigh with mojo mojo comes out and no one's excited but nobody you you know they put on a pretty decent match definitely it was really fun it was compelling it was tight to see mojo get a 12 minute spot to shine he's he is what he is but it's cool i mean he's not the worst there's a time and place where he could have been a really big thing and it's great to see him shine there. Well, I feel like it's really helpful for him because, yeah, he's he's really never been given like that sort of platform. And I think it's really good for Seth, too, not to be working with, you know, Finn Balor every week where it's like it, it, anything that those two are doing together, it's going to feel like it doesn't live up to what it could possibly be. It's like there's always going to be an air of like disappointment and for me, guilt because I'm watching it and I'm just like, Oh, these are two of the freaking best in the world, and I'm not invested, and I feel bad because I feel like they're just gonna give up on them when they're doing things like that, and I'm not like you know, like like drooling over the TV about it. Well, because you've seen him fight enough times. I mean, whatever. We can all boil this back down to the amount of programming that's on TV every week. But unless those two, unless Finn and Seth are fighting a Iron Man match or whatever no you're right there's it's hard to get super invested in that so it's cool to see seth fight a good match with some randos yeah and allow some randos some time to shine it allows seth to like you know spice things up on his end of stuff i i think it's great for everybody the open challenge was the coolest thing in john cena's career in the last five years the best this is i don't this is even better for seth because we didn't hate Seth going in. We're very excited about him. I know. I love him so He's the much. best. Um, yeah. I, I think that, you know, and things are looking, I think things are looking pretty solid. Um, SmackDown as well. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pro Jeff Hardy. I'm very pro Jeff Hardy right now. I would like to see him do something similar with the U.S. belt on SmackDown side. The SmackDown women's division is so on point right now it's exciting it's it's weird and it's doing stuff that the women's division hasn't done yeah 
I, there's like so much room for stuff to be happening here. I feel like they're doing a really good job of bolstering the women's division, the iconics. They're incredible. Oh my god. They're so fucking good at their jobs. They come out with such confidence and such swagger just shitting on whoever they're they're shitting on. It's it's wild to just watch them talk. Yeah. I they uh, I'm I love so it. impressed. I love it. And I I think that Carmela, I think that really I think that like my expectations for Carmela just kind of seemed to like continue to build i think that i had the bar set not low but not like super high but i mean i think that six months with that belt she could do something great with it i'm like i don't know i guess i'm starting to just get like more and more impressed with her and more and more just shedding you know the idea that she is you know more than the the accompaniment to enzo and Cass, like she was in nxt yeah i mean i think it's it's hard to shed that valet uh like preconceived notion that we had from the past and you know i think when she did start to become a full-time in-ring performer things were iffy but you know she's this is she's been doing this for like two years she's been in the wwe on the main show for like two years she's killing it yeah yeah i think she i think she's great it's it's interesting what they're doing with tag teams right now i don't know if they're like just deciding that we have way way too many people around so it's best that we just like manufacture a bunch of different tag teams all at once but like mcintyre and ziggler it's fucking great it's uh and and braun and and bobby lashley what about that bobby lashley dude what (laughs) what is that even what is it I don't even know what was happening there, man. Oh, no. He's just talking about that broom over and over. <laughs> I don't care, Bobby. Shut <laughs> up. You're tied to a tree. Like, I, I don't... What is that? What do you want from me here? I, we all have families, dude. <laughs> what? I don't care. I don't... I don't know, man. I. Bobby Lashley is... Uh, someone that could be doing some really cool, impactful shit, and it's they're just letting him just dissolve into this puddle of muscles, and I don't know. It's so wild. It's weird to me how like apparently little planning went into bringing him in outside of like him showing up on Raw. They just so clearly have no idea what they were doing. Yeah, After that. they're planning that pop, and the pop was great. Uh-huh. It was cool to see him. He holds people up for a suplex, and it looks awesome. Sometimes, it was so funny when he held up Kevin Owens at Backlash. Yeah, <laughs> like barely, he like takes his arm off, and then he's, he's like, like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> It's like when you try to ride your bike with no hands. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then you you fall and you and then you get two stitches in your lower lip. That's what happened to me. I was really? I was yeah, I boy, I saw Terminator 2 and in my friend no, we got a we I got a VHS be. copy. Cool. And uh and my friend Ryan had a cap gun that looked just like that shotgun Whoa. when he rides a motorcycle. That's a badass so cap I, gun. I went down I went down the hill and I was trying to like do the thing and I fucking fell over my handlebars. 
Barry Terminator I was, wearing, I was wearing my soccer uniform. <laughs> we were the black team. Um so we got we got a couple we got a couple weeks off, you know, I'm going to see I'm going to see the the assistant coach from the black team that year, my dad <laughs> in Dublin. <laughs> and and my mom and my sister, so I'm going to be going to be gone for a little bit of time so we're going to take a couple weeks off here but money in the bank is you know the next pay-per-view we're going to be going and i think that i think that it's a good time to that's a really good thing to look forward to money in the bank is just it's a pay-per-view where it writes itself it's a really good way to just shake things up like really really get some you know momentum going for certain people some storylines to progress maybe some to end maybe some to i don't know not happen until SummerSlam. almost i'd love to see aj and shinsuke but i don't want to see them hit each other in the testicles again so my question to you scott is is who is your pick for the men's money in the bank ladder match so I, I agree. I think it's really important to recognize that that I should go see my family. The, the the assistant coach of the black team is an important part in your life. The money You're in the sponsored bank, by Modella Negro. That would be pretty tight. <laughs> the <laughs> we just drank what? we drank a case of beer after every victory. <laughs> just <laughs> popping bunch of 12 year olds no this was kindergarten oh, so cool even cooler instead of capri sons yeah <laughs> just medellos uh i think the money in the bank i think it's a good point the money in the bank is a good uh i think we all feel like we need this time off i'm gonna still continue watching wrestling every week but it might be while i'm doing other things it's nice to take a breather I think money in the bank is an easy reset shot in the arm that like you said, it tells itself the story. All you need is a damn ladder and yeah. a briefcase to like, go oh, for. Oh, cool. My eyes are on the TV now and I'm captivated. It's and exciting. I'm thinking about how monotonous my life is. I'm looking at those first four. And what do we got? We got The Miz. We got Braun, Rusev, and Finn, right? Yeah. Out of those four, I don't know who I want at all. I think may- maybe The Miz just because of the potential for a future storyline. But that's not like... I think most of the time going into a Money in the Bank match, I've got like a gut winner that I want. Just like someone that I... I like a child that I, I want this man to win the match. And right oh. now I don't have that. Yeah. I feel like we've I've been rooting for Finn in that way for a long time now. And it's not happening for me here. I think The Miz would be really cool with that briefcase. I want him to hold that belt again. Because like... Oh man, I thought that he was good when he was the WWE champion. Now he's fucking next level, and everything that he was doing with the IC belt, he's just gonna make that WWE belt like the most important thing in the history of the planet. And he's going to speak with conviction. And yeah, I I really think that Miz is my fucking pick, no matter who shows up. Him, I mean, him divorced from the Raw side of things, too, yeah. where he doesn't have to deal with Roman uh-huh. or this tiered list of 
of Lesnar and Roman and like these guys that are uh, above him in stature. If he's on SmackDown, he's right up there and he could make that belt so fucking crazy. I yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I think in the end, I definitely want the Miz to win here. I, but I don't. I I think the fun of Money in the Bank quite often is just like, oh my god, Daniel yeah. Bryan might win this match. Right. Who could it be? Oh my, you know, and when you're watching people go up the ladder, and then your your thought of just like, oh my god, like it could be that would be so sick. What if Rusev won? And um, I don't. I'm not. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. excited about Rusev winning right now. The uh-huh. prospect of that is not tickling my fancy. But if in in that match he's gonna climb that ladder, and I'm gonna want him to grab that briefcase. Right. Totally. I thought I, I we you know didn't even mention the fact that he beat Daniel Bryan on SmackDown. That's huge. I thought that that was so good for him, and it it made it it just it it's very very helpful. I think because he's another one of those guys that I think is in the Kevin Owens and Braun conversation, where it's like you got this guy and he's just not doing anything. I love I love the idea of actually like pushing him, or at least like presenting him in a way where it's like he's not just gonna lose to everybody yeah and that's like kind of what was happening right yeah seeing seeing him beat daniel bryan they got a good excuse for daniel bryan which is something that i think never actually gets followed through on i think that's the the like well he's kicking his ass this week just to you know wear him down for the big match at the pay-per-view right and that never really comes into play they never actually talk about you know the the guy getting beat up for the previous weeks. Right. I think that was so cool that Daniel Bryan got beat up the past three weeks. So sure, he of loses the Rusev. Yeah. He doesn't have. He's not like fully back in. He's he's still like a little rusty. He's getting his ass beat. He's hurt. I think that it's it's a really good thing, and you know, it's something to consider too with Bryan is that everybody's really stoked to have him back, but they really got to like consider the fact that just having him back isn't enough. Like you have to put some narrative here and you have to put something behind the fact that, all right, well he's coming back and like, he's, he doesn't really have ring rust. He was able to go a hundred and, you know, or he was able to go 75 minutes in the Royal rumble and get his ass kicked the entire time. But the idea that he's not just coming back and like immediately beating everybody, I think, adds a lot of dynamic to his actual wrestling storyline. Yeah, I mean, that man is built on the fact that he loses. Right. Daniel Bryan is never going to be this like consistent winner. I think if he was, that would be disastrous for him. Absolutely. The fact that he's losing here and that he needs wins and he needs to like get back into shape and needs to get back into the spotlight is gonna be the story that makes us care about him even more i think that's like super important he's always best i think when he's presented in in real sports terms and it would make it just makes so much logical sense for somebody to you know come back and to not really have it it's like it's like when uh when you have like a championship team that struggles in the following year and the beginning of the season like you know what's going on it's the same guys but they don't have it together like these guys aren't getting along that's a real thing that happens fucking all the time and it's like it's just it cherry you can cherry pick storylines out of that you can build so much narrative around the fact that all right they're there but they're not there yeah what's wrong here i mean there's so many stories like that the cubs last year the cavaliers seemingly every year the, uh, these are they're all very compelling solid stories and i think that's what brian's built off of and it's gonna i think it's gonna help just continue to propel things for the next year for him depending on what happens here with the miz 
or, or or whatever else they decide to do with him. He's got a million dream matches in front of him. So anywhere, any direction they go, as long as they commit with something, it's gonna yeah. be fine. And I think that like if that's if that's what we're, I mean, obviously that's what we're building for with both of those guys. Like, let it build. Let it like you know. Let the Miz go and do something. You know, let his ascent happen and Daniel Bryan's kind of middling happen before you actually like steer him that way. And I mean, the idea that Miz is holding the title and saying, I'm better than you is, man, I'm getting all, I love it. I love the idea of it. It's going to be great if and when it happens. No matter what, I think the trajectory is there, no matter how the Money in the Bank ladder match goes. I think the trajectory of the Miz and Daniel Bryan both moving slowly but surely up and towards each other is is where it's at yeah i think that this is like probably the most captivating rivalry in wwe over the past you know several years really 100 percent. and i mean we talked a couple weeks ago about uh gargano and champa being like the only blood feud yeah. in wrestling in, in wwe right now and i think this is the closest thing that we have on the main roster to that well and it really plays into you know the idea of like meta watching too where this is this is really the one where this is the one that i want the dvd made about this is the one where i want the sit down with you know daniel bryan on one side just being like yeah you took it a little far there and then this is like well i think i did a hell of a job though yeah i want to hear the interviews in five ten years oh man on some podcasts yo speaking of somebody who is doing a hell of a job though in terms of like meta story building is fucking champa right now you hear he blocked fucking wwe on twitter yeah. for wishing him a happy birthday that's so good like man that guy i he's like al pacino method acting like right now it's he's just so over the top so he's invested in just being so despicable he's so shitty i love it um hey well it's uh it's a it's always a pleasure to to sit down and and, and talk with you about this. I'm going to miss this for a couple of weeks even though I think we we're both in need of uh you know not having to not having to watch maybe an episode of something next week. It'll be nice. I can't wait. But um yeah, if you if you're enjoying the conversation, tell a friend about it and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. Leave a nice review. I just I got bad reviews oh, on yeah, yeah. podcasts. I heard know. that bad review that you got. Oh, it's like it's like, yeah, I want I, I I love the idea of like, you know, really upsetting someone to such an extent that they gotta leave a negative review on the podcast because they don't like my opinions about something. But man, that's like why why you gotta do that? It's why, uncool you, move. Oh man. They're they're just wolves out there. They're really just gunning for you. Um, I don't understand. I don't like whatever it, fucking podcast reviews. I know. Well, I'm like, I, I think I go into that show sort of wanting to play heel a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm just like, man, no, that shit sucks. And then afterwards, I'm just like, oh, man someone's gonna be mad about people that. don't like I that i was I so mean it. it was like it was like watching the andre documentary and they were just talking about how much he didn't like being a bad guy that was the saddest That's shit really ever sad. he just wanted he wanted people to love him because that was his favorite part of all of it 
I just need to. You're I, real Andre the Giant. I am. Tim. My heart is too big for my body. And uh, <laughs> now I'm going to go get on a plane. And and I got two seats, too, because I can't, I can't fit in the one. But we'll be back in a few weeks. Take care of yourselves. Don't, don't, don't watch things if you don't feel like watching them. But, uh, but we'll be back to talk. And we'll see you then. Thanks, fellas. Yeah.